Hi, I'm Ashwarya, the producer of Rumors. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Your love and support means a lot and has taken Rumors to new heights. I'm the head of originals at Bound. In addition to our own hit podcasts, we also help brands and storytellers create high-quality, knowledgeable, and stellar podcasts with our end-to-end podcast and video production services. So if you want to get started on your podcasting journey or even analyze if a podcast is the right step for you, reach out to me at aishwarya at boundindia.com. That's A-I-S-H-W-A-R-Y-A at boundindia.com. Or you can reach out to us at Bound India on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Bound. This show is made for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to outrage, insult, defame, or hurt any religion or religious sentiments, beliefs, feelings of any person, entity, class, or community, and does not encourage or propagate any superstition, black magic, and or witchcraft. Listeners should exercise their discretion. Summer closes in on an Indian village. Driven by sweat and discomfort, a family of four drag their cots outside. Tonight, they sleep in the open. The woman of the house wakes up in the middle of the night, her throat parched with thirst. Driven by a mother's instincts, she sleepily reaches out to check on her children. The older one is fast asleep. Her hand grasps for the younger child and finds... Nothing. A sickening realization blooms in the pit of her stomach. Her screams break the silence of the night, waking her husband. Their four-year-old daughter is missing. Soon the couple rouses the other villagers. There is chaos, confusion and tears. A desperate search for the missing child begins. This heartbreaking scene is not from a movie. This real-life tragedy affected not one, but several families of Pavagada Taluk in Karnataka back in 1983. Who took their children in the middle of the night? What happened to these girls? Let's dive into the unsolved mystery of Pavagada's missing girls. One strange story, one disturbed place, and many unanswered questions. This is Spooks, a mini-series from the world of rumours. On April 29, 1983, a quiet village in Karnataka 
was shaken by a strange and gruesome event. While sleeping next to her parents, a five-year-old girl had been snatched in the middle of the night. A frantic search had led the distraught parents and villagers to a gruesome sight at the edge of the village. On the ground lay a severed limb and torn, bloodied fragments of the child's clothes. The child's body was never found. But these signs of violence told them clearly that she couldn't have survived. But little did the villagers know that the carnage had only begun. A few days later, a three-year-old girl from Pavagada town went missing under eerily similar circumstances. The police had taken their time with the first case. But now, two girls were dead. Time was of the essence if they were to prevent a third. The cops swung into action. Witness interviews indicated that the two cases might be connected. After inspecting both crime scenes, the police became sure that they were. In both cases, a child had been taken in the middle of the night and the next morning, her disjointed body parts were found. But there was one more connection, an especially strange one. The presence of paw prints at the crime scenes. This couldn't be the work of a human being. A monster was on the hunt. The police had their theory, but didn't have enough hard evidence to point a finger at anyone or anything. So they chose the path of elimination. One by one, they slowly closed other possibilities and leads. But the clock was ticking. Within weeks, five more girls had been taken, sometimes just hours apart from each other. Each of these cases followed the same pattern as the first two. Bodies were piling up. The murderers were on a spree. Distraught villagers began demanding answers, putting the police under tremendous pressure. To placate the families, the police finally made their hypotheses public. The limbs, torn clothes, the small size of the victims and paw prints at the scene could only mean one thing. The killers had to be man-eating wolves from the neighbouring forests. The villagers now had a villain to focus on. News reached the local forest department. They couldn't believe their ears. For several reasons, it was impossible for wolves to be involved and they tried to debunk this theory. But the villagers and the police refused to listen. A mass hunt for wolves was launched. Armed with sticks, stones and sharp weapons and supported by the police, the grieving villagers wreaked revenge upon the predatory animals. In Raichur, six wolves were hunted down in just a few days. Soon, the hunt was extended to include hyenas. The result? A significant dip in the population of wolves and hyenas in the area. For two months, 
the abductions and killings stopped. It looked like the police were right. There was relief, even a muted celebration. They had identified the villain correctly. They had hunted it down and destroyed it. But the villagers were in for a shock. Soon, another child went missing in the middle of the night. The police were stumped. Forest officials felt vindicated. The villagers questioned if wolves had indeed been behind the attacks. And two pieces of evidence further fueled their doubts. While paw prints had indeed been found near each crime scene, there had been no drag marks from an animal carrying the victim away. And in one case, while escaping with a child, the so-called wolves had thrown stones at the father who was giving chase. A wolf throwing stones? The police theory lay in tatters. The culprit had to be human. The villagers were now in search of a new villain. The culprits were not wolves. But such gruesome crimes couldn't have been committed by any regular human being. Something supernatural had to be at play. Rumours began to surface. Suspicion turned to fearsome tantrics from the nearby Madakshira region. Yes, that had to be it. They had taken the little girls and offered them to Goddess Kali as part of ritual sacrifices. For the second time in a year, mass panic spread through the region. Unable to handle the villagers, the police became desperate to find answers. The most recent killing had been of a three-year-old in Pavagada. If they could just focus all their resources and solve this case, they might be able to solve the entire sequence and end the madness. The police had a few things going for them. For one, the evidence was still fresh. Locals had found the child's skull only a few hundred feet outside of town. They had also found paw prints all around the site. So the police called in a dog squad. To their relief, the sniffer dogs picked up a scent from the skull. They traced it straight to a nearby cave. But when the police searched this cave for evidence of wolves or humans, they found nothing. Thankfully though, for the police and the villagers, this was the last of the killings. In a span of two years, 11 people had lost their lives. Most were children. It's not like there's no credibility to the theory of the culprits being wolves. Wolves snatching away sleeping human children in the middle of the night is not an unheard of phenomenon. In 1997, several cases of this predatory behaviour were documented in the distant state of Uttar Pradesh. Chilbila is one of many settlements along the riverbanks and ravines southeast of Lucknow. Throughout the summer of 1997, several reports of wolves dragging away children by the throat while they slept in the open emerged. Like the Pavagada cases, 
all the victims were children under the age of six. And just like Pavagada, the wolves would drop the mutilated bodies in nearby cornfields and riverbeds. But unlike Pavagada, some children in Chilbila survived their horrific injuries and lived to tell the tale. The scrawny and ferocious Indian grey wolf resembles an Alsatian dog. They tend to eat their prey in one go. And if they can't finish the job, they leave the rest for hyenas and jackals. In such cases, mutilated, half-eaten bodies are always found. But in Pavagada, only a few isolated body parts, skulls and fragments of clothing had been left behind. It is this key difference that caused forest officials to doubt if the abductions were indeed the work of wolves. Other patterns cast more doubt. All the murdered children were little girls. Wolves are not known to be gender-selective about their prey. Then there was the confusing physical evidence. While paw prints were found, there were no drag marks from the wolf carrying away its victim by the throat, as they had seen in Chilbila. Since all the victims were younger than six years, perhaps a large wolf could carry children of that size without dragging them along the ground. It is possible. But is it probable? Witness accounts also vary. Most witnesses couldn't give any visual descriptions of the abductors. But some claim to have seen a large dog-like figure, while others claim the wolves actually threw stones. So who did this? What caused the killings to suddenly stop after two years? These questions were never answered. Because this real-life story of serial killings and mass panic came to a highly unexpected but understandable dead end. After the final killing, the police continued their investigation for some time. But things soon turned difficult. In the villagers' minds, suspicion had firmly shifted from wolves to tantrics. And tantrics were not to be trifled with. Wolves came from the realm of the natural, but tantrics? They came from the realm of the supernatural. Consumed by a fear of the unknown, the villagers refused to cooperate with the police. In the meantime, the case had garnered tremendous publicity. It reached the Karnataka Legislative Assembly for discussion. Wolves were mentioned and dismissed much to the relief of the forest department. But no one mentioned tantrics or any other suspects. Mass panic was already at a peak and the government probably didn't want to fuel it further. As with many issues that suddenly flare up in the public eye, this case too was forgotten with the passage of time. Forty years later, scattered information and unreliable witnesses leave behind a baffling mystery. The story is unresolved, but lives on as a chilling reminder that death doesn't need to knock on the door to enter, especially when we're sleeping outdoors. 
and when death enters our lives in an especially gruesome fashion we refuse to believe that it could be the work of an ordinary human being people need monsters whether they have four legs or two we need extraordinary villains to blame for the extraordinary tragedies and misfortunes in our lives and when necessary we will create them from the recesses of our minds thank you for listening to spooks a mini series from the world of rumors i'm chandrama das collector and teller of dark tales and the creator of this podcast in collaboration with bound a company that helps you grow through stories produced by aishwarya zawlgekar and sound designed by aditya arya join me every friday on this quest into the lesser known side of the subcontinent subscribe rate and review for new episodes every week sleep safe tonight who knows what awaits in the dark